0: Well, friends, I want right off the bat to reassure those of you who noticed the misprint in the worship folder uh, that we have not indeed found a new version of the Gospel of John. Uh, John only has 21 chapters, and thanks be to God. Uh, Neither you nor I have gotten finished learning all the lessons that were in the 21 that we've got, and so we have not added 16 more of them to the, the Gospel. So there's good news this morning, and God is good to us. John uh, does have, however, several things to say about forgiveness all throughout the book. And so we, your ministry staff, are counting on you having learned at least those lessons and not holding this against us this morning. The gospel lesson for this morning is actually from the 7th chapter of the Gospel of John, the 37th through the 39th verses. It's a little snippet from a longer story about a trip that Jesus made to Jerusalem for a religious festival called the Festival of Booths. The Festival of Booths. The Festival of Booths was and remains a way for Jews to remember the time of wandering in the desert when they were first freed from slavery in Egypt but had not yet reached the land that God had promised them as a home. We're always on our way home. During the festival, which lasted a week, the priest in the temple poured out libations of water in thanksgiving for God's provision for the people as they wandered in the dry places and as a way to remind those at the festival that God would provide for them still, no matter how parched their souls seemed to be. It was into this setting at the climax of the festival that Jesus launched his teaching and it would have been as if he were launching this bromide let anyone who is thirsty he said come to me and let the one who believes in me drink for as the scripture says out of the believers heart will flow rivers of living water out of the believers heart shall flow rivers of living water. Friends, that's you and me. Rivers of living water. Never mind that the Hebrew Scriptures don't actually say that. Uh, We'll forgive Jesus uh, for that. There are many places in the Scriptures that are holy to the Jews and to us that allude to the life-giving sustaining nature of belief in God. Despite all the evidence that there might not be enough. The constant worry that we all have, that we won't have enough, is fundamentally part of the human condition. It's the nagging emptiness within us that tells us that risks are not worth taking because they may be too costly. It's the lie that the world tells us which lies at the center of our desire to sit down in the desert for fear there may not be water where we're going. Now, it's a lie that there is not enough. The idea that there's not enough is a lie. What is true is that it's never a good idea to sit down in a desert. A great way to wither up into nothing is to sit down in a dry place and not move. The way to life is to keep walking, keep moving forward, and looking for the right path. That's the lesson. Jesus said that belief in him and what he was teaching was the source of all that we needed for life, here and way beyond here. And in our gospel lesson, the writer adds that Jesus was talking about the spirit which would come after Jesus when he had been glorified. Now last week, our gospel lesson told us about Jesus' glorification, about his ascension into heaven. Do you remember? And he promised the disciples at that time, he said, now John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And now our lesson from Acts 2 tells us another festival day has come, the day of Pentecost, A celebration of the giving of the law to Moses and through Moses then to the people. God had intended the law to guide the people that God loved so much. God intended for it to be water to sustain them on the journey and guidance for where to step along the way. But in their frailty the people had allowed their fear to make the law into something that God never intended. Generations of worry that there would not be enough had made the law dry and hard. It had just made it a set of rules, something without any worth, any, any, any water in it at all. Just dried it out. Fear that love and compassion would not sustain made the law into a tool of judgment. Dry rules with no love of life in them. So one wonders how festive a festival about the law could be. It would take Pepe Zunica decorating, Marvin Matthews singing, our our sanctuary choir singing, it would take everything we've got, I think, to get me to a conference on the law. Now, my husband's a lawyer. He disagrees with me about that. He thinks conferences about the law are great. But, Mary, you think so too? All right, maybe so. But there would have to be a lot of singing to get me to a festival on the law. And yet, and yet, people respond to the call of God in every generation. No matter how badly people misuse the scriptures or abuse others in the process, the sweet song of life being sung to us by God can be heard in spite of the harsh tones of the judges. We always hear what's behind the text, what's always behind the law, the scriptures, even if it's being used against us. We can hear God singing. Pilgrims, therefore, had come to Jerusalem from all parts of the known world out of love for God and commitment to the covenant between God and humanity. This uh, map is hard to see, and I apologize for that. It's the best we could scan. But the point is, if you see that big blob of uh, dark over there, that's the Mediterranean Sea. This was the known world at this time. This was all the writer of this text knew. And he said people had come from all of these places, from Cyrene and Libya on the east all the way over to Parthia on the west near uh, the Ukraine and and, uh, Turkey and that section over there. People had come from all over. Jews had come who had been dispersed to those places, forced out of their homes. Uh, They returned home to celebrate the giving of the law. And converts to Judaism came, people who saw the beauty of the law and the gift of the promise of friendship with God and were drawn away from idolatry and toward relationship with a living, breathing God who wanted to be their friend. The disciples also gathered. They came together to keep the traditions even as they waited for new direction. They remembered Jesus' promise that something new was going to happen, but they continued in the practice of their faith while they waited for the change. I wonder how many times they asked themselves, Reverend Mona, in, in the time between Jesus' ascension and Pentecost, uh, how, how many days is a few? What will spirit be like? How will we know spirit when it comes? what'll happen they lived in that tension but they kept the traditions and they kept putting one foot in front of the other and now they were all gathered together in one place now we don't know what sort of building it was exactly the text says it was a house but it was some sort of place that allowed for all of those pilgrims who had come to town to hear the inspired words of the disciples So was it a public building of some kind, a gathering place for events like this festival? Maybe it was the overflow room from the temple. We don't know. And we can forgive Luke, the author of the Acts of the Apostles, for leaving out those kinds of details because he and we are in a rush to get to the drama that follows. There was the sound of a mighty wind. But the building was not blown down. The pneuma of God, the Greeks called it, the breath of God has power but does not destroy when it comes in love. There was fire, first between and among the disciples and then over each of their heads, even the head of Matthias, who you may remember had just been elected to replace Judas in the list of the 12. Even Matthias was shown as anointed by a tongue of fire. But the fire of God's Spirit didn't burn him up. It didn't burn him up. Like the fire in the bush out of which God spoke to Moses, this fire illuminated, but it did not consume. That's what you can expect from the Spirit of God. Get into God's presence, and you will see things you have never seen, but you need not be afraid. Here were physical manifestations of that part of God which teaches and leads and empowers and sustains us. The wind caught the attention of the disciples and perhaps was the thing that drew the crowds to hear what they had to say. The fire identified the disciples as anointed of God and illuminated both their faces and their words for the crowds around them. In the moment, I suspect people were simply in awe of such an unusual occurrence. But in retrospect, those faithful pilgrims to Jerusalem would recognize from their study of the scriptures the metaphors for the wisdom of God almost always called something feminine in the text's of the ancients. They heard behind this experience the wisdom of God found in wind and fire. Then the disciples spoke. There was no preparation on their part. The messages they spoke poured out of their hearts like life-giving streams. Messages about the mighty deeds of God that they had seen and that they had read about and studied and that they had heard about from Christ. This is the sort of storytelling that all of us are called to do and can do when we are filled with the Spirit. Each spoke in at least one language that he had not been able to speak before and that was miraculous. Now this morning the miracle has been repeated as God has through your faithful giving of your tithes and extra offerings made it possible for me to be heard in Spanish by several people worshiping with us in this hour. Thanks be to God. I thank you for the spontaneity of that clap offering because I'm going to ask you to clap again. I want us to honor the hard work of our Director of Outreach, Mark Eggleston and all the crew that helped him to make this happen and friends we honor among us, uh, physically in the space but separated from us in, in a room, the translators. And they will be a blessing to many people who seek to worship with us. We hope that we will also be a blessing to them. The disciples felt themselves used of God in a miraculous way when they spoke in languages they'd not been able to speak before. But there was another miracle that day. There was a miraculous opening of the ears of those who heard the disciples speak. But not everybody. Not everyone was able to hear the good news. Another of the miracles manifested that day was Holy Spirit's opening of the ears of those who would hear. It appears that it wasn't enough for the disciples to make the gospel plain in language that people could understand. There were some in the crowd who only heard what sounded like drunken babble when the disciples spoke of all God had done and would do now that Holy Spirit had come. Peter spoke out of love to those folks, not content ever to give up on them, even though in the moment they were obviously missing the point. These are not drunk, as you suppose, he said. It's too early in the day for that. Now, take heart. He's not saying they don't ever get drunk. They're just saying they don't get drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. right? (laughs) They're speaking this way because they are part of, he said, and witness to the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel all those years ago. These are the days in which things will be turned upside down. The things we have used to order our world before the sun and the moon, class distinctions, age distinctions, divisions of race and gender none of those matter anymore. Even the slaves will prophesy now. Even the female slaves, maybe most especially the female slaves, will prophesy in this age. And the center of their prophecy, the central feature of our message from now on, it won't be the law, it won't be wealth or status or privilege or accident of birth. The good news we will share in every language to all who will listen is that all it takes to be saved from killing rules and crushing empires and all your fears of inadequacy and all your worry that there won't be enough is to call on and believe in God. And you, you will be saved. Do you need a wellspring of sustenance to see you through on life's journey? Call on God and be saved. Do you need a reviving wind to blow new energy into your life of faith? Call on God and be saved. Do you need a new igniting of fire in your life, a renewal of meaning and a rekindling of purpose that calls you to get up and get moving so that desert sun doesn't kill you? Do you need that? Call on God and be saved. It is that easy. God loves you that much resurrection people the spirit of the living God is moving in this place would you join me please in prayer God our mother and our father brother Christ our Savior sister spirit our guide and helper we ask you today to open our ears that we may hear your calling in our lives and that we may discern all you have for us to do as a congregation working in your many names where we are dry, fill us to overflowing. Where we are toiling in darkness, brighten our path. Blow, blow your life giving breath into us and revive us again. We lift our voices in praise for the gift of life everlasting, and we commit what is left of our lives on this earth to sharing the good news of your unfailing love. And thank you, thank you for your boundless, grace. Amen.